my client that every year when you do your business planning, you pull this out and then you map your personal inner circle around the goals that you're trying to achieve. Your life evolves, your career evolves, your business evolves. We are a, a species that is constantly changing and change is never, never stops. And so you have to ensure that you've got the right people around you with the right skills, the right insight, the right capability, the right beliefs that are going to help you move closer to where you ultimately want to go. Welcome to Laugh, Learn, Lead podcast show season two. Simplify your systems to amplify your results. I am JC Jeanette Cremor. I interview amazing guests to hear their stories and we share practical advice to plan and implement your business projects. Hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, we have the wonderful Janine Garner. She has spent 20 more years across many large corporates, um, helping them influence their leadership programs. Um, I'm not going to say much because I really want her to share her story. She's a highly sought after international keynote speaker and educator and is the best-selling author of the book, It's Who You Know. It's now in multiple languages across the world and it is a go-to reference book for me. Um, I use it every year to shape where I want to be in the next 12 months. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about that book. So um, hang on and um, strap in because it's going to be exciting conversation. Janine's also, you can find her on TV and radio, and she publishes regular um, insights in the Huffing Post, CEO Magazine, BRW, and many more. But her biggest and greatest achievement is absolutely raising her three gorgeous teenage children. I'm proud to call her a mentor and a friend, and I am really looking forward to today's episode. Thanks for joining me, Janine. Um, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for having me, JC. I am really good. That, I giggled to myself when you said my biggest achievement raising three children. If you'd have witnessed my morning this morning, I can honestly say I would have sold them all off <laughs> to the cheapest offer this morning. I had one of those mornings. <laughs> ah, the challenges of teenagers. With all, and you've got three different personalities as well. <sighs> I certainly do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 16 year old, 14 year old and an 11 year old, all very different. I often say it's like being part of the United Nations dinner at our house. I have to work out the best strategy to minimize the conflict at the dinner table. I'm sure I'm not unique in that. <laughs> I know before children, you were from the UK. You know. yeah. Can you share with us your journey from the decision to go UK to Australia and then become this magnificent keynote and author? It's, it's an interesting question, Jeanette, because, and it's one I, one I reflected on over Christmas because my uh, speaking agent actually referred to me as the queen of reinvention. And I sat down and reflected on that and I thought, oh my God, she's absolutely right when I actually did the timeline of me and none of it has ever really been planned. Um, I was born in the north of England. Um, my dad was a farmer and pretty much grew up learning how to drive a tractor and collect eggs and working the market stall. His words of wisdom at the time were, were so deep. You know, he used to say to me, where there's milk, there's brass love. 
um, which basically meant work hard and you should get what you want. And those days where I'd come home from school, you know, eyes filled with tears. It was, it'll be all right, love, it'll be right. Hey, just get on with it. So my, my childhood was pretty sort of basic and simple. And um, I went to uh, school. I was teased at school for being um, freckly and skinny and brown hair and a bit of a nerd um, because I loved study. And that was until I discovered Lady Di electric blue eyeshadow and hair dye and went from brown to blonde. Then life changed. But um, really for me, the eye opener was leaving the, that little village in the north of England and going to university. So what a lot of people don't know is I was um, a fully government funded student. So my family couldn't afford to send me to uni. Um, but the government at the time in the UK paid for me to go uh, to live there for four years and for, uh, for the actual education part so fully funded by the government and that's really when my eyes started opening up to opportunity i can still remember that first year and just seeing people from all over the world and different parts of the uk and started getting insight into the different backgrounds and different experiences that that people brought to their lives and for me, as this little sort of working class farmer's daughter, it's like, oh my God, wow, there's life outside of the farm. This is insane. And to be honest, I never went back to home. I left home at 18. I started in a business Bachelor of Science degree, um, graduated with um, an honors degree in that and a hell of a lot of debt and packed the infamous backpack and then moved to London to start a graduate traineeship. And I started working for a uh, fashion retail company um, as a graduate trainee and stayed with that company probably for about seven or eight years, pretty much working my way up the corporate ladder. What I really know in hindsight is that I spent uh, that early part of my career very much striving continuously for more and continuously proving I was good enough. Um, that I was good enough to have this job, that I was good enough to have that title, that I was good enough uh, to be working in this company in London. Um, I left, I ended up being international marketing manager in that company. And then I decided to pack up life in fashion and moved over to home hardware because I felt in my infinite wisdom that I needed more experience. And so I went from selling a 350 pound suit to a 30 pound tin of paint ladder and paintbrush that goes with it. And um, if you imagine, I was, I was brought in as part of a team to launch a 130,000 square foot retailing concept. There were four of us brought in. We were essentially given a, um, a document that a whole load of consultants had pulled together. And our job was to bring this document to life. So I was responsible for branding and marketing. There was somebody else looking after promotion and product and somebody else looking after people. And we launched what was at the time the home-based megastore. So if you try and visualize a Freedom Furniture with a Bunnings warehouse with the best garden center you could possibly imagine, it was all of that under one roof. To give you an example of the scale of it, um, you know, we were taking a million pounds a day in this wow. store. And when we opened the first store in Ipswich, they actually had to, the police had to shut down roads and announcements went over on radio because there was so much traffic coming into store. It was insane. 
But I realized, it's interesting, that, that I really didn't enjoy that job. Um, and I often say to clients of mine, sometimes you have to have jobs you don't enjoy to truly understand where you can add value and be your best. And for me, I realized that working in a massive, highly structured, uh, big corporate environment where um, very sort of siloed thinking and boxes around what you did was not conducive to my natural entrepreneurial skill, my mm. ability to think outside the box. Um, and so I left that, but I actually left it also because I had fallen in love with an Aussie and uh, came out to Australia on a holiday, uh, landed back in London in February, hit the M25 at three o'clock and it was pitch black and I just realized I didn't want to stay in England anymore. So I came in um, as a permanent residency, as a permanent resident. And I arrived in Melbourne on the 1st of December 2000 with a backpack, with a residency visa, uh, with a resume and with my boyfriend and essentially <laughs> had to start all over again. And so that was the first 10 years, the next, you know, the next decade of change mm. where I packed up my job and I arrived here with nothing. Um, so over the next 10 years, I had to rebuild my career in a country where I had no social proof. I had to rebuild my network in a country where I knew no one. And I had to rebuild my life um, starting with this backpack. And essentially that's, that's what I did over the next 10 years. Um, I built my way back up again and culminated in my role as group marketing director for the Oriton Group. So I was looking after the Oriton brand and the Ralph Lauren brand. Uh, I was responsible for launching Oriton into Asia at the time. And obviously a uh, key part of working very closely with uh, Mr. Lauren and his team in the US to make sure the brand was looked after here um, and loved it. Loved it. What I, what I failed to share over that time is I did have three children. Um, still got them, but they're a bit older now. But, um, you know, at the oh, time I was working full time. Maybe not after today. <laughs> maybe not after today. Yeah, by the time they get home, all hell could break loose. But yeah. I, had, I was working full time. I had three children at the time who were under seven. So I had a, I can still remember, I did have three children under five at one stage. Um, we had no family here. And because we'd recently arrived in the country, I was rebuilding my career. At the time I had no maternity leave or anything like that. So Jason, my husband and I literally just bunkered down and worked our way through it. Um, my children were totally institutionalized from the age of, well, from the age they could go to preschool or before school care. Um, I can still remember the days of racing down the road to drop them at daycare when it opened. And I can yeah. still remember the other side of the day, racing down the road to make sure I didn't get the fine because they were the last one there. And life was pretty, it was great, but it was crazy. And, um, and this is where the next evolution happened, where um, at the age of 39, I, there was something where I realized, yeah, I'm doing okay. I talk about this a bit with my new, new book where I go, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I'm doing. Um, to all intents and purposes, I'm excellent in terms of the things that I've done at work. I'm achieving great results, but there's something missing. There is something mm. more. I'm, I'm not feeling like uh, I'm doing what I want to do. And I was also surrounded by some incredible women. Um, I was looking at what was going on in business, and I realized that I wasn't the only person that was running around like crazy and actually wanted to connect 
with people to feed my brain and to keep growing myself. So I was surrounded, as many of us are, by the societal expectations of what it means to be a mom and a working mom. And at the same time, this internal battle of, but I still want to do more. I've still got more to give and there's more work that I want to do. And to cut a long story short, um, I ended up leaving that corporate job and the next 10 years of my life began, which is one of um, really setting up an entrepreneurial venture, a startup. I pretty much bootstrapped uh, a business called the LBD Group, um, which um, is a networking business for female executives where the ethos is very much around connecting collaborating sharing knowledge and insight for mutual growth and success that started off with eight of us around a table um, having crunch numbers and business planned i realized that there was an opportunity in that and i decided to give it a go and that sounds easier than it was it was really scary giving up a six-figure salary an it team <laughs> And all of the support that comes with a corporate job and setting out on my own. And it wasn't all unicorns and rainbows. Um, probably about two years into that startup phase, my husband, who had been essentially holding down a corporate job to allow me to create this business venture, that corporate business fell apart and the company went into receivership. We had no income for 10 months. We lived off credit cards. Um, and I can still remember one day sitting at my desk, tears pouring down my face, head in my hands, going, I've got to go back to work. I have to go back. What, what right do I have as a mother of three children to be pursuing this dream? And yet I can't afford to do stuff. Um, we had to move house. We had to downsize. Um, we, we, were at, we were so tight at one stage. We were talking to friends about maybe having to camp in their backyard. It was really that serious. Mm -hmm. And at one stage, we had $50 in cash in the bank. And my husband turned to me and went, Janine, don't you dare consider going back to work. I believe in you. I know you can do this. And that's all I needed to really fire up my belly and to actually have the determination to keep going. And the LBD group grew and grew. And um, I ended up selling that business in March last year. Um, so we, had, we have a national footprint here in Australia. We were starting to test globally. But therein lies the next 10 years of Janine's Change It All Again because I realized that um, I still had more to give and I had to make a choice. You know, this is the wonderful thing about each of us as individuals as we grow. We actually, there's a gift in all of it that we can either choose to ignore or we can choose to listen to it. And for me, the gift is a gift of choice. And so mm. I had a choice to make of, do I continue to build LBD Group in the way I know it can, which would bring with it investment in people, systems, everything that's needed to take it to, from toddler or even from uh, you know, entering into high school to becoming an adult, or do I um, actually go down the route of my own practice? So my own work, which I know we'll come to, um, the demand for it is, is increased and increased and increased for both speaking and corporate training. And I was starting to have to turn stuff down because I didn't have the time. To cut a long story short, I decided that LVD needed a new energy to grow. Hence, I sold it. And now this next phase of me is very much building, continuing to build the practice that is Janine Garner. 
So looking back, I, I was talking to a client the other day who was 29. She was in a training program and I was talking about unleashing brilliance and she burst into tears. And afterwards I asked why? And she said, I don't know what I want to become. Um, I feel like I have to have my life planned out. And I mm. said to her, you know what? At the age of, I'm giving it away now, 49, I'll be this year. I still don't know where my life is heading. All you ever know is the path directly in front of you. And I think this is part of the challenge that we're all facing, um, either in our own businesses or as executives in corporate, is we are under the pump of a, a societal expectations of having our life's journey planned out, which it brings anxiety and fatigue. We feel like we're not good enough. We worry about being imposters. We, on top of that, have the hundreds of voices in our heads from our families and our friends. And actually, you never know. And it's more mm. about you, as I said to this 29-year-old, just think about the next couple of years. As long as you are making decisions that are seeing growth for you and you are continuing to step closer to where you want to go, that is all that matters because we have no idea what is in store for us in the next two, five or 10 years. And it's interesting in hindsight, I never realized that that's what I actually did. Um, I have no idea where this, um, this determination to get, or bravery mm -hmm. to just keep changing things come from. I just have this absolute uh, passion that my job is to unleash leadership brilliance, one leader at a time. And if I can do that, we can build extraordinary teams, we can build extraordinary levels of leadership, and ultimately we can create extraordinary organizations that are connecting better, that are collaborating better, that are driving extraordinary results. And that's what gets me out of bed every morning. That's the thing that keeps me going. And it's the thing that every now and again, I stop and I look at what I'm doing and I almost do an audit and go, and I, am I still on track to do that? Mm. And I change it, if not, um, with everyone in my way going, what the hell are you doing now, Janine? But anyway, <laughs> that's pretty much what I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Couple, so yeah, now, so now I spend my, my, my life is pretty much, I'm a speaker, uh, best-selling author and leadership trainer. Um, I travel the world doing this stuff and yeah, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. But if you'd have asked me at the age of 21, 29, 31, 39, uh, there's no way I could have predicted that this is what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's brilliant. And I was fortunate enough to actually rock up at an LBD dinner at a table inquisitive because I was new to Melbourne and I didn't have a network and I went, Oh, I need to find people that get me and I get them. And yeah. yeah. And I was just blessed to actually sit down at that table that night and geez, it must be about six years yeah. ago now. Yeah. And yeah. And since then I've, yeah, I've followed and been influenced by you um, and the people that you hang around with. And um, I won't give away some of your content because I need <laughs> to get the book, um, which is what I want to jump into because yeah. LBD, I, I'm still an advocate of that and I will help Paula um, continually grow that brand and, and help other people be introduced into that network of, of awesome is kind of um, the 12 key people in your network mm -hmm. is my go-to book. Um, last year, the people that I interviewed on my podcast all got a copy as a gift. Oh, thank cause, you. Because I really believe that 
that's something when we actually do want to look at what's happening in the next 12 months, we really do. So what is it about that book? It's now in multiple languages oh. across the world. Oh. That makes me want to vomit just thinking about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it's really interesting. It's, um, it, again, it's, it's the power of hindsight and reflection. Um, it's phenomenal where I actually have realized that the way that I've lived my life and made the changes I've made in my career are all connected to the power of connection and the power of network. The reason I wrote this book is I absolutely believe that the people around you will make your career and your life or they will sink your career and your life. And yet too many of us are not truly embracing the power of a strategic network and inner circle of ours. Instead, we think networking is hard work. We become obsessed with quantity. It's become a business card swapping fest and the superficiality of conversations has actually created an icky feeling. I call it this icky feeling around networking where, you know, I talk to audiences all the time and I'll ask the question, you know, how many of you have been told that you've really got to network and every hand goes up and then you ask how many people love it. And it's almost like every hand apart from three goes down and I go, what is going on here? It makes me laugh even more if they have paid to come to a networking event to hear me speak and they hate networking. That always makes me laugh. But it's, it's this concept. Why have we made it so, so tricky? And yet we're living in a world where we are suffering from so much fatigue. We are suffering from exhaust fatigue. We're exhausted with being exhausted. Everyone's busy. We're suffering from choice fatigue, where we've got so many options, we almost don't know which direction to go in with life, with family, uh, with professional, you know, even if you think about a person, what diet should I go in? What form of meditation should I do? What type of style should I be wearing? What social media mm. should I be on? Which event should I go to? It's like just ridiculous. And then we're exhausted with this stretch fatigue where all of us are being pulled in 101 directions. And so we're overwhelmed right now when it comes to even thinking about networking and connecting and the other thing that scares me is that in this this world that we're living in where we're more connected than ever before we're actually becoming more disconnected than ever before you know the rates of loneliness are going through the roof uh, we've got CEOs around the world just saying I'm increasingly lonely and yet I know if I got people around me I'll feel supported in these decisions um, Carolyn Gregoire wrote in the Huffington Post that this is the decade of isolation and the you know that the amount of information that is bombarding us that somehow we've got to work out our place in it is making you've only got to look at the impact on well-being and mental health and depression mm. and to me, it's, it's crazy because business is and always has been about people. Mm. Nobody does business with brands. People do business with people. So if you then bring it back to this concept of networking, I absolutely believe that ultimately networking is connecting. Ultimately connecting is about being yourself. And ultimately being yourself is about being human. And if we can just learn to connect again as human beings, if we can learn to bring our full selves to everything that we do, if we can be brave enough and vulnerable enough to 
uh, bring into our world some core key people, then we will be successful. So I wrote, um, I did a lot of soul searching in terms of how I've built my career with all of those changes, you know, moving from uh, the north of England to Birmingham, to London, to Melbourne, to Sydney, um, changing careers along the way. Um, spoke to lots and lots of people and um, really realized that it is the network around you that is important. Jim Rohn talks about you're the average of five people you surround yourself with. I've actually extended that and I truly believe that it starts with four key people then ultimately 12 key people that you need in your world. Now these people will stretch you further than you can ever go yourself. Uh, they will keep you safe and solid and in the moment and they have the ability to push you and pull you towards your dreams but we have to take ownership of it mm -hmm. and so in my book I talk about how building the network of you starts first of all with you deciding what it is that you're ultimately trying to achieve where do you want to go in the next 12 months what do you want to achieve professionally and personally and where do you want to take your career what are you trying to work out for yourself? And you've got to own that because until you can own that stuff, how can you possibly have truthful, open and honest conversations with people and ask for their help? And how can you find the people that you need to help you? Mm. So that's where it all starts. And then the, in the book, I lay out four groups of people. Um, so the promoters whose role ultimately is to help you become more. Um, the promoters are all about stretching possibility. Um, they are your raving fans. They want to see you succeed and they will push you constantly to try new things, to test new things because they will always see more in you than you see in yourself. The second group of people are what I call the pit crew. And these are the people that ultimately care about you. We need to have these people in work. This is not your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your daughters, your sons, your mom, your dad, your cat or your dog. These are people professionally that care deeply about how you're doing. They don't care about your job title, the money you're earning the office you're sitting in, the travel that you're doing, the handbag you're carrying, they care about you and how you are today. And their role ultimately is making sure that everything from you know, your, your mental and spiritual health, your physical health, all of that stuff is actually um, in the best condition it can be to ultimately help you run what is the marathon of your dreams. We cannot be successful until we're looking after ourselves and these people keep us in check on that. The third group of people are the teachers and their role is ultimately to help you know more. You know, in this world of sameness where ultimately everyone looks the same, there are a stack of project managers out there, there are a stack of coaches, a stack of accountants, a stack of marketeers, a stack of business advisors. You are also being bombarded with information. How are you going to stand out? The only competitive advantage you have is yourself and how you think. And these teachers will stretch your thinking. They will feed your thought process. They will challenge what you think and they will help you uh, position yourself above everybody else, um, whether you are running your own business or whether you're an executive in a corporate. And then the final group of people is we all need butt kickers. We all need somebody that is ensuring we're getting shit done because we make excuses. 
we're all making excuses. Mm. I haven't got enough time. I haven't got enough money. I haven't got enough clients. I haven't got enough of anything, but we need these people that will literally go, you said you're going to do it. And how are you now going to do it? So there's, there's the, essentially the IP mm. in it's who, you know, and I um, encourage my clients and the people I work with to, as you're doing Jeanette, that every year when you do your business planning, you pull this out and then you map, your personal inner circle around the goals that you're trying to achieve because the people have to change. Your life evolves, your career evolves, your business evolves. We are a, a species that is constantly changing and change is never, never stops. And so you have to ensure that you've got the right people around you with the right skills, the right insight, the right capability, the right beliefs, that are going to help you move closer to where you ultimately want to go. And for me, nurturing the key 12 every year is a joyful experience. Mm. It's an added value experience. It's a constant mutual exchange of smarts, of insights, of ideas, where you feel supported and where you know that you have almost this superpower behind you that's helping you achieve what it is you want to achieve. Totally, I, and, and I'm evident of when you don't do that, you can actually derail your path. And I haven't, for 12 months that I deliberately took off last year, didn't actually work on my 12 key people and nurture that relationship. So this year it's starting back with the four and okay. really starting and then over time. So yeah, so I know by personal experience that if you don't actually continually do this refresh every 12 months, you can derail and... Oh. Um, I love the book to the point that um, my program, um, How to Eat Your Elephant, one of the first lessons of the workshop is design your blueprint. And I've actually added your book as one of the reference materials for them to take away. And there's an exercise in, in designing their four key people as part of their blueprint. Because I realised that although they're busy doing their work and getting stuff done, they actually didn't have the support mechanism around them as a business owner and so yeah so from this year i'm actually introducing your book as a reference and a takeaway that will get a copy but the exercise is actually the four key people um That's so good yeah and this the the framework um of the four and the 12 um you can overlay into your key clients so one of the pieces that i've been teaching organizations where they're looking at moving from being order takers to relationship creators is taking your top clients um, particularly if um, those clients are not one-man bands but you know people organizations with more than a few people in and I go okay map their IP over your top client who in your top client is the promoter Who's the butt, butt kicker? Mm. Who's the teacher? And who's the pit crew? Now, strategically, how are you going to manage that relationship? Because each of their needs is different. Um, it's, you know, I've had clients who have changed their sales strategy on the back of this IP um, and the results have been phenomenal. And it all mm. comes down to connecting as human beings, removing the superficiality of conversation and getting curious about the depth behind the people that you're working with. The answers are all there. The business is at your fingertips. Just mm. got to be smart. Absolutely. And so, yes, yeah, so I'm very grateful for that book, but I'm also a little bit excited about your next one. We'll talk about that yeah. in a minute. Can't wait. Just want to jump back. You talked about 
Unleashing Brilliance and you have a podcast called Unleashing Brilliance and you're yes. also delivering into these bigger corp, you know, corporates the um, leadership education. So why is it important that we actually invest in our next generation of business leaders? Why is that so important today? Because they are the ones that are going to change organisations and get us ready for the future. Um, the challenge that we face with a lot of training is it's very capability building. Um, you know, learn how to project manage, learn how to speak, learn how to manage your time. Um, and it's all very um, siloed capability building stuff. The reality is if we're wanting to change people and to change the way they operate and lead, we have to have a preparedness to invest in them over time so that they can learn and embed that learning and try it out at work. Um, the program that you're referring to, I'm you know, really excited. It's been a finalist at the RE Awards um, for the last two years. And essentially the, the version of the program can be run as, I do it as either a five day or up to 10 days. And it's all about how do we build capability within our future leaders or our next level leaders and how do we build the confidence to do that? And I teach this, I, I hate the term soft skills, but it's almost what people understand. It's, it's this ability to actually, I say to people, you are great at what you do. You know how to do your job. You wouldn't be in this room right now as one of the high performing individuals at work if you weren't good at doing your job. My job is to further elevate that excellence to turn it into brilliance so that you can be the best leader that you want to be, so that you can build the best team that you want to be and so that ultimately as a leader, you are mobilizing people towards a better future. Um, and so that's what this program does. You know, we look at getting them ready for leadership because leadership is a practice. Leadership is like, motive, is like learning to meditate. You don't just learn the seven steps to effective leadership. It's a constant, ever-evolving process of every single day doing something, reflecting, did it work, amending and changing. Leadership is a practice. And leadership requires us to be absolutely intentional about how we are going to lead it's a willingness to change and to evolve and to ultimately step up into what future generations need uh, to help change businesses into the future we um ultimately over the course of the program my biggest thing is obviously teaching them how to network and connect better but ultimately is how to think um, I said earlier, you know, our biggest competitive advantage is our ability to think, is to get curious, is to explore. There is no one rule, but what we all have is something to bring to the table. And if we can be brave enough to stand in our spotlight, if we can harness our energy and connect with the intent, then we have an ability to lead where we're magnifying ourselves and equally magnifying others. And that is the only way that we'll get extraordinary results. So these programs that I run, I do run them as um, full day and half day workshops in terms of the capability stuff, but the longer term program around accelerating leadership is really one of shifting behavior. Um, it's absolutely challenging people to operate differently, to rework and relearn a new way of leading and to understand that leadership starts and ends with them. And that's the mm. program that I run. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I highly recommend people um, subscribe to your podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, because there's some really good stories on those episodes. Um, You've been able to pick some awesome people, like your network alone is huge. And so, yeah, Unleashing Brilliance, I love that podcast. So everyone subscribe to that. So let's find out what's coming in 2020. I'm excited about this book. Um, This next book. I know leading into Christmas, you you made a commitment and you did it. Um, I did it. Oh, my God. Three months of lots and lots of hard work after six months of research. And interestingly, I launched the podcast without even thinking that the book was coming. And it was really only through the conversations that I was having on the podcast where I was able to tell the real stories behind leadership that um, it further reinforced this belief that I have. Um, The reality is, so the next book, which will come out in June, is called Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence. And the context of the book is that I absolutely believe we're all exhausted. Uh, We're exhausted with business. We're exhausted with changing processes. We're exhausted with speed. We're exhausted with keeping up with our friends and families. We're exhausted with what we should be doing on social media. We're exhausted with how to lead, how to be, what to do next. And this exhaustion is actually fueling an exhaustion around being human. And the reality is the world around us isn't going to slow down anytime soon. And yet the only thing that is constant is you. The only thing constant in this whole scheme of busyness and craziness is you. And I believe that we've forgotten how to lead ourselves because we are struggling with imposter syndrome. We are struggling with comparisonitis. We are struggling with a triangle of blame of it's everybody else's fault or everything else's fault or it's my fault that I'm not succeeding. This is all fueling burnout and exhaustion and it's just out of control. And how can we possibly lead our teams if we're not leading ourselves first? How can we possibly connect with others if we're struggling with self-doubt and feelings of not being good enough? How can we possibly make the right decisions in this adaptive environment that we're making if we're not confident in our ability to think? And so this book essentially is, you know, I really, really believe that every single one of us is this beautiful, incredible diamond of opportunity. And if we can own the multiple facets of who we are, the good stuff, the not so good stuff, what we believe, um, what we think about ourselves, if we can be brave enough to actually step fully into who we are, warts and all, then we have the power to be truly brilliant. And so in this book, I lay down four laws of brilliance. And these laws talk about building your inner and outer confidence and absolutely moving from a place of me into a place of we. I talk about the law of owning your spotlight um, and talk about the three facets that are involved in that law. Um, I talk about the law of harnessing your hunger, of how do you make sure that you have the power to keep following your dreams, the energy, the mindset, the stamina. I talk about law three, which is connecting with intent, which is building your ability to engage, to network and to collaborate. 
And then law four, which unfortunately is where most leadership training sits, is how do you actually um, magnify your influence? How do you lead better? And I argue you cannot possibly lead better until you sort out those other three, um, other three laws. Uh, I also challenge in the book, uh, the beautiful Simon Sinek's argument about it starts with why. Um, I actually think that whole theory has perpetuated this concern and actually the personal development industry is making a fortune from it where people are going, oh my God, I don't know my why, I don't know my purpose, I need help. And it's fueling this lack of belief and lack of um, confidence and this, this confusion like that 29-year-old in that workshop that was like, I don't know why and what I should be doing yeah. next. And I actually go, it actually doesn't. I totally believe that everything starts with who. Who are you? Who are you now? Who do you want to be and who do you want to become? And if we can unlock that, we are absolutely capable of bringing the brilliant selves that we are into our work, into our leadership, into the decisions that we make in our organizations. And isn't that what we want? Don't we want to be brilliant? Don't we want to be the best that we can be? And don't we want our organizations to succeed? The workbook in typical, the workbook, the book in typical Janine style is very interactive. So it is jammed with interviews from the podcast. So stories that uh, incredible people have shared with me are in there. Um, the, you can assess how you're doing at the start of each chapter. Um, and then it literally takes you through um, each of the facets of the law and there's some great action points and tips and worksheets and things that to do to help you uh, move forward. And a bit like it's who you know, this is an ever evolving journey. You know, you mm. can't be perfect at everything all the time, but you can take ownership of where you need to put in the work and the effort every single moment in time. So yeah, Be Brilliant, How to Lead a Life of Influence is out in June. Ah! When, oh my gosh. So when will pre-order be available? We'll start opening up pre-orders in May and I'm really happy to share that link with you, Jeanette. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it would be great. But yeah, pre-orders will be opening from May. That's so exciting. I know. And I know the awesome Kelly that you work with. And yes. um, it's, yeah when you two get together there's yeah brilliant at the end of that so i'm looking forward to that personalized copy of absolutely <laughs> of course of course um you talked a little bit this morning about your three teenage children <laughs> yes. and the fact um and i'm some of the storytelling you shared about you know moving and being rock bottom and but you had jason believe in you that yeah. no don't go back to work I've also recently experienced that whole, do I go back to work and, you know, get a very comfortable exec role where they're paying me, you know, a couple of hundred thousand mm -hmm. plus, you know, platinum credit card and international mm -hmm. travel. Mm -hmm. And I went, no, thank you. So how can we help people? And you talked a little bit about, you know, we've got fatigue of busy and fatigue of all this choice. What's the tip for integrating life, which is family, mm -hmm. work, business, in, in particular, one of the things that I know you do very well is time for Janine. How do you make that all happen? Yeah, so I haven't been very good at it in the past. Um, so, again, I talk about this in the new book. I used to, like many of us, tell myself crazy stories. Um, stories like I can, only, I, I can survive on four hours sleep like everybody else. No, I couldn't. Um, it's impossible. Like, stories like everybody works like this. No, they don't. 
Um, stories like I can multitask. No, I can't. And, you know, I told myself lots of stories. And for me, I did have burnout. You know, when I had my first child, um, I, uh, we had no family around. I went back to work at five months. Jason took time off to look after Flynn. And I, in my head, had created the story about how I had to be the best executive and the best manager and the best mom and the best partner. And I was crap at all of it. And at one stage, I just remember going into my boss at the time and going, I actually can't do this anymore. And again, that story isn't unique. I think too many of us um, forget about ourselves in the journey of life. Um, we let external demands dictate uh, what goes into our diaries and particularly from a female point of view we are very quick to serve other people and very slow to serve ourselves but the reality is unless you look after yourself you're not serving anybody well and looking after yourself is there isn't one tip it's more about you learning what works for you it's about understanding um, what hacks, what systems, what things do you need to put in place to ensure that you are operating at your peak performance. The other thing to, to acknowledge is, it, is that in itself is ever evolving too, because life changes. You know, what worked for you in your 20s may not necessarily work for you in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. So it's having this, this self-awareness to, to actually acknowledge what works and what doesn't work. So for me, I know I have to have time on my own to think. If I don't get time to think, I get frustrated, I'm not creating IP, I'm living in my head, and I end up taking that out on family. I know I have to exercise. I know I have to eat healthily and sleep because essentially my work is me being up in front of people. And if I'm not feeling great, if I'm not like a well-oiled machine who's rested and on fire, I can't give the right energy and insight into other people. Mm. And the other key thing for me is time with my family is critical. So it, it always makes me laugh because the external world, people think I'm really, really busy. Um, I'm actually just smart with my time. And um, I can very easily be on and very easily be off. What I've learned for myself is I work to the cadence of the school term. So I work really hard smartly during the school term and then I take the holidays off and that's my rejuvenation time and then I'm back up and back down again. I've learned that three days of delivery is my maximum. Three days of me client facing is my maximum. Monday is my planning day. Friday is my thinking day. I've learned, so I get up at quarter to five every morning and I go to the gym. I come back and I'll then have my healthy gym breakfast. I'll meditate, I'll journal, and then I'm set for the day. Um, if I'm on the plane, I'll do things like listen to audiobooks. I hack my time continuously to ensure that I am performing at my best. Um, but ultimately, it's everything, it's working out why you're doing everything that you're doing. And for me, it is all about ultimately creating a freedom for my family, creating opportunity for my family, and within that, doing the work that I love. Uh, with people that I enjoy working with who inspire me. Um, and so with the choice of that, 
means actually you've got to also decide what you're not going to do. We spend so much time chasing the yeses. Um, we often say yes to things because we're so busy chasing the gain. And my advice to your listeners is start thinking about the loss of everything. Mm. So with every yes comes a loss. With every yes, every yes means you have to give energy, you have to give time, you have to give money. One or all of the three, which ultimately means the energy, the time and the money is being taken away from something else. We are living in a society where we're chasing the gain. We've only got to look at what's going on in social media. You know, we're chasing the gain of stuff. Um, my advice is start getting curious about by saying yes to stuff. What are you losing out mm -hmm. on? And the biggest, the most scarce resource we all have right now is time. Time is the scarcest resource of all. And your time, you will never, ever get back. What, this time that we spent today on this podcast, we will never, ever get back. Mm. So we have to respect time. We have to value time. And we have to actually understand and appreciate how precious that time is. Whether you are doing a one-on-one -on -one with a member of staff, whether you're on the phone to a supplier, whether you're getting in that cab, whether you're ordering that coffee, whether you're delivering content, whether you're serving clients, every single moment of time is precious. And if you can be intentional about where you spend that time, then actually, in my mind, that's how I've been able to get to this space of integrating family and life and making sure that I'm feeling good every day. Bringing it back to the it's who you know content, that's why you also have to make sure you've got the right people around you. Because surrounding yourself with people that drain your energy, um, that take you off focus, that feed self-doubt, it's not good. You've only got limited energy. Make sure you top up that energy with great people around you. So I am pretty ruthless at moving away from people that don't make me feel good. Bingo. Um, oh my gosh, so many takeaways in that last little bit. I won't share now. I'll do an episode myself, I think, to kind of unpack my JG energy injection because um, I get so inspired when I uh, reconnect with you and listen to your story and where you're heading. So thank you so much for your time. We okay. must end because we've got decisions to make about where else we spend our time. Um, but how is the best way that you would like people that want to connect with you? Uh, what's your go-to place platform for people? So the best place is head to, well, I'm on all social media channels. My direct email is janine at janinegarner.com.au or obviously uh, head on over to the website. Um, but I'd love anyone, any questions, just get in touch. I love meeting people that know people that I know. Yeah. I'll put that all on the podcast um, show notes so people can click through to your website and Thank buy you. that book. That's yes. who you know. And when the pre-order comes out in May, we'll also promote that so people won't miss out on the Be Brilliant. Thanks, Jeanette. Okay, Happy thanks, Janine. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. I would love for you to subscribe, tell others about the show, and share with them the insights you gain to help you and your team. Until next time, keep smiling. <laughs>